Don't touch that dial. It's the American Grooves Radio Hour with your host, Joe Laura. Jazz Me Blues, as recorded in 1927 by Bix Biderbeck and his gang on OK Records. And tonight, the American Grooves Radio Hour is dedicated to the life and legacy of one of our greatest cornet players in jazz history, Mr. Leon Bix Biderbeck, who was born in Davenport, Iowa in March 10th. 1903, and died in Sunnyside, Queens in August of 1931, 28 
years old. I don't have enough time to really get into too much of Bix's history and talk about his influences, but we're going to play some recordings and I'm going to give you a little bit of background. Also, I'm not really a uh, expert on the subject. I know a bit about it. Anyone that really studies and loves early jazz knows about Bix. And um, in Davenport, where he grew up, his, his, his parents were uh, German immigrants, kind of on the wealthy side. They lived in a good house. I think the father was in the coal business. And Bix was, you know, a boy who was very much impressed by the music he heard around him. He would go to the riverboats that would come, arrive from New Orleans uh, in Davenport and listen to the calliope. Then he'd run home and try to play the notes that he heard that influenced him on the piano. And he picked up the cornet, I think somewhere uh, in the teens. His brother had been uh, in World War II and brought home a phonograph from the war. And with that photograph were some records by a group called the Original Dixieland Jazz Band. Uh, the Original Dixieland Jazz Band was really the first really mega popular jazz band to record. That would have been in 1917, 1918. And a particular recording that they had that Bix played backwards and forwards many, many, many times was their version of the Tiger Rag. Now here for context is the original Tiger Rag by the original Dixieland Jazz Band. Again, uh, their uh, horn player is Nick LaRocca, who I would say was Bix's first and strongest influence in his early years. <laughs> Thank you. 
I think it might be hard to understand today how a record like that really set people on their ear. It was almost like a equivalent to punk rock in that it was very, very unorthodox, that style of playing. And that youthful energy, uh, it just bursts through the grooves of that record. And it clearly influenced this very young man. And in fact, when he started or joined his first band in 1922, they had their first recording session with Jeanette Records, also a Midwestern record company. And they recorded a version of Tiger Egg, which was never released. Somehow through the years, I managed to get a hold of a test pressing of the Wolverines with Bix on cornet playing their version of Tiger Rag. And here it is. Even at age 21, uh, which was Bix's age when he made that recording, uh, you know, his playing is a step above LaRocca's, uh, clearly improvisational, and if they did three takes of it, I guarantee each one would be quite different, as a true jazz man's would. LaRocca, uh, as influential as he was on Bix, was almost like a, a lead trumpet player, There's, uh, in that um, people questioned whether he really improvised. I think the evidence of that is 
his band, the original Dixieland Jazz Band, recorded several tunes in 1917 and 18. And then when they had a little revival in the early, mid-1930s, they recorded them again. And the solos and the playing was almost exactly the same from the recordings they had made almost 20 years earlier. But nonetheless, what an influence on young Bix. Another great influence and great pal of Bix Spiderbeck was Hoagie Carmichael, another, uh, another young man who attended Indiana University where he would hear the Wolverines and he got to know Bix. And the Wolverines played some of Carmichael's early compositions. In fact, here is the Wolverines, one more Wolverines track before we move on, but I think it's important. Here is Hoagie Carmichael's Riverboat Shuffle, first by the Wolverines, then three years later, when Bix had left the Wolverines and was playing with the Gene Golcat Orchestra in 1927. So two versions of Riverboat Shuffle. <laughs> Thank you. 
Wow, a lot happened in three years, no doubt. Uh, first of all, electrical recording came in. So uh, these recordings can be heard so much with so much more depth and clarity than what was going on at Jeanette at the time and everywhere where they were recording through the big horn. But not only that, you know, Bix left the Wolverines after their stint at the Cinderella Ballroom in New York. And um, he was being scouted out to play in the Gene Goldcat Band, which was a huge outfit out of Detroit. But it didn't last very long because Goldcat um, was not very pleased with Bix's reading ability. Remember, these bands were dance bands. They had arrangements that had to be read. And Bix joined the Goldcat Band, which was a mistake anyway, Goldcat should have known better, as the third lead trumpet player. Now, a lead trumpet player reads the parts. He's the melody man. And then a jazz guy like Bix would go in and play the solos. That wasn't Bix's band in the early years with Goldcat, and it didn't work out. He left, wound up going back home, enrolling in college, where they put him in all these classes that they shouldn't have. College didn't last long. Bix wound up playing around uh, the Midwest with a lot of friends that he wound up playing with for life. They, they were playing the summer resorts in the Midwest. And then Goldcat came calling again. And I think somewhere in late 1926, he officially was in the Goldcat band. And Around that time, him and his friend, the C melody saxophone player, Frankie Trombauer, made this legendary recording, Singing the Blues. Thank you. 
at the time that amazing, lyrical, beautiful recording was made in February 1927, the, the top cornet player in the country was Louis Armstrong. And Equally brilliant, of course. I mean, Louis fortunately lived to be an old man. Bix did not have that opportunity, being dead at 28 years old. But where Armstrong's playing was like really uh, sort of like optimistic and full of bravara uh, and openly emotional. Bix's playing was really sort of like um, intellectual and 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 soft spoken. Uh, you know, Armstrong at the head of an ensemble played really hard and straight, but Bix, like a shadow boxer sort of, invented his own way of phrasing, sort of around the lead, where Armstrong's superior strength really, you know, people responded to that, but Bix had a cool approach that invited people to really listen to him, subtle and strong. Two amazingly great cornet players, Two very, very different styles. I think um, next I'm going to play, even though Bix isn't on it, I just love the recording, the Paul Whiteman version of a tune called, a pop tune called I'm Coming Virginia. And it, it's great for a lot of reasons besides the fact that the band is great, but Bing Crosby and the early vocal group, he was in the Rhythm Boys, do all the singing. And the cornet player is young Red Nichols. Now, Nichols was a very highly regarded player. He led a lot of jazz bands. His Red Nichols and the Five Pennies made a lot of recordings. Some say he was a Bix disciple. I think that that's apparent, but I think it's interesting to listen to the two approaches, a Bixian approach. And then what we're going to play right after that Whiteman version, again, with Red Nichols on cornet, we're going to play Bix's version in an instrumental famously recorded with the Frankie Trombauer band right around the same time in 1927 of I'm Coming, Virginia. And you're going to hear a very expressionistic approach to the playing of jazz. Check it out. I'm coming, Virginia, I'm coming to stay, don't hold it again, me, for running away, I've tried to forget you, but I found I'm all wrong, need your bright southern moon once more, I'll prove that dear old mammy tune, and if I can win ya, I'll never more roam, I'm coming, Virginia, my Dixieland home Thank you. 
The last hurrah of the Goldkett band with Bix and Joe Venuti and Bill Rank. They all went over to the Paul Whiteman Orchestra who purged the hot boy ranks of that band. And uh, now all of a sudden Bix and some of his pals were playing in the equivalent of the Beatles of their day. The Whiteman Orchestra was the number one dance band, jazz band in the nation at the time. And Bix was on as the soloist. He wasn't a lead trumpet player in that band. He played all the trumpet solos, cornet solos, pardon me. And um, rather than play a lot of those recordings where Bix really has very little to do uh, in many ways because he's within a huge ensemble of great, great, great musicians. I mean, Bing Crosby and the Rhythm Boys, Joe Venuti, you know, uh, Trombauer's in the group, arrangements by the great Bill Chalice. It was the number one band with just some of the greatest jazz musicians in the country. So I think what we're going to do is I'm just going to play the Bix parts of a few things. One of the great Whiteman extravaganza tunes is their version of From Monday On. And there were several takes recorded, and the issued take was take number six. And I'm going to play that entire take. You're going to hear Bing and, and, and the Rhythm Boys and all the other great musicians, Joe Venuti's all over it, I believe. And then we're just going to play Bix's cornet solo parts of take four, which is actually superior, in my opinion, uh, in regards to Bix's playing. And this will just give you a little, a little bit of the variety of Vix's improvisations, his approach. And since the, the recordings were made so close together, probably within an hour of each other, you really get to hear the way his creative mind and trumpet cornet playing really was working back in 1928.
Inventive, creative mind of Leon Bix Beiderbeck. And if you're just tuning in, this evening's broadcast of the American Grooves Radio Hour is dedicated to Leon Bix Beiderbeck, who was born March 10th, 1903, 119 years ago, later this week. And so we're dedicating our entire broadcast to him. And folks, I have to remind you that you are listening to WLIW-FM in Southampton over the air at 88.3 on Eastern Long Island and Southern Connecticut and just added, which is great, 96.9 on your FM dial in Western Suffolk and streaming at WLIW.org slash radio and on your favorite streaming apps and smart speakers. We are listener supported WLIW-FM, Long Island's only NPR station, and I am delighted to be part of the crew here at WLIW every Sunday night in your living rooms, in your bedrooms. Hopefully, you're listening to the radio. Sadly, Bix was an alcoholic, a terrible alcoholic. He said that he drank three pints of liquor a day, smoked two packs of cigarettes, and even at the age of 26, it was beginning to catch up with him. He was asked to leave the Whiteman Orchestra in 1929, and sadly, because they were in Hollywood in 1929 for a long time, while they were attempting to make a talking film called The King of Jazz, it eventually came out, I think in early 1930, but sadly, Bix was having too much fun They sent him home to Davenport to dry out, and I don't know, I think that was it. Bix never rejoined the Whiteman Band. He had been sent home prior to that, and there's a bit of a mystery recording that some say that when Bix was on his way home to Davenport, he stopped off in... Chicago, and he sat in with his friends, the Ray Miller Orchestra, and they made a recording of The Love Nest. Now, to my ears, I think it's Muggsy Spanier doing a really good Bix imitation, but many people dispute it. Just just to kind of break it up a little bit, let's just hear the disputed solo in the Ray Miller version of The Love Nest and tell me what you think. know the the argument is that Bix was heading home to dry out and he was weak not really on his game 
but they let him sit in with the band. It really is a very Bixian solo, but I don't know. I mean, I, I would go for the Muggsy Spanier doing a Bix imitation uh, theory uh, over this actually being Bix, but we're never going to know. Back then, they just didn't keep a record of everyone that was in the bands. And for unfortunately... What we have of Bix is very fleeting. There are no, like, entire albums. Bix Spiderbeck plays Nick LaRocca. It's all these little solo sections and these huge band recordings and a couple of handfuls of jazz recordings that he made with Trumbauer and other people where he's featured more. But to the people that love Bix, those little sections are golden. And there's quite a bit of them. And there's some variations, as you heard earlier, but really when it comes down to it, you know, Bix just never really got to spread his wings and flourish like Louis Armstrong did and so many other jazz musicians of the day. After leaving Davenport, after having, you know, dried out, Bix moved to New York City. Sunnyside, Queens is where he lived, and he recorded with a whole bunch of people. And I'm going to play you uh, a recording right now that's hysterical. It's it's the Hoagie Carmichael Orchestra, and Joe Venuti, Benny Goodman is on the record. I think Jack Teagarden might be playing trombone as well. And it's the funny version of Barnacle Bill, the sailor with the notorious Joe Venuti, Barnacle Bill, the shithead, <laughs> you know, which is clear as a bell when you listen to it. But back in 1930, when reproduction equipment, stereos were not around, so you couldn't really hear the subtleties as clear as you if you play these things on modern equipment. And that's Joe Venuti. But anyway, here is Bix towards the end of his life with the Hoga Carmichael Orchestra, Barnacle Bill, the sailor. Who's that knocking at my door? Who's that knocking at my door? Who's that knocking at my door? Cried the fair young maiden. It's only me from over the sea. I'm all lit up like a Christmas tree. I'll sail the seas until I croak. I'll fight and swear and drink and smoke, but I can't swim a bloody stroke. your pies, I'll kiss your cheeks and black your eyes. Let's 
Vanedir bizde Sadly, the last recording that Bix made, again with his pal, Hoagie Carmichael, was Hoagie's first ever version of his all-time classic, Georgia On My Mind. It was recorded in September, I think September 15th, 1930, and Benny Goodman, also in the group, also Joe Venuti, like in the Barnacle Bill side, and what was really the beginning of Hoagie's new career as a top songwriter was the end of Bix. He died the following year in August, a very, very hot August night in his apartment in Sunnyside, Queens, pretty much alone, alcoholic, died of pneumonia, and the world lost one of its greatest musicians. Here he is for one last time, Georgia On My Mind with Hoagie Carmichael. Georgia on my mind. 